nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. This is the Weekly Scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one or two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. That's right. It's time for the Weekly Scramble. My name is Chris Reavers. Another town ball edition of the Weekly Scramble since Mr. Fratelloni and I did our show from the Great Minnesota Get-Together yesterday. And that means we're going to chat some town ball this week and state amateur baseball tournament. We are nearing the final weekend, which is always, of course, Labor Day weekend. And that means I've got to bring in the best in the business. His name is Jeremy Stender. He is with KGLB Radio. Jeremy, how are you, my friend? Man, what a welcome! I'm doing great, dude. How are you? I'm still a little tired. Yep, same here. Uh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting ready for another another fun weekend. You talk about some curveballs, no pun intended. We saw just about everything oh. the second weekend of the state tournament. And that's why I'm looking at all my notes. I'm looking at all my web pages I've opened up. Where the hell do we begin? I mean, my God, there's yeah. so much to talk about over the course of the last you know couple of days, and and of course what's coming up ahead of us this coming weekend. I'm going to let you choose where we start because I seriously <laughs> don't even know where to begin. Well, it was it was funny, just like Sunday alone. So I'm sitting there, and, and I'm talking with Chris Dahman, who I do radio games with. I know you, you had a chance to meet him uh, this past weekend, too. I did, too. Yep. And, and, and we were talking, like, on Monday, probably both lethargic, right, and tired, and it's been a long weekend. And I said, how about yesterday? I said, three, three like, huge, huge major storylines. First, you've got the rain. That kind of messes everything up, right? Yep. Puts, Puts us back from Saturday into Sunday, and you know we, we have to step in and, and play a couple games at Waconia, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little later as they stepped up. Then, you know, okay, the, the weather isn't enough. We hear about this great Dumont story of two kids <laughs> taking a four-hour plane ride in a little four-seater, uh, you know, from from way up in in northern North Dakota. And, uh, and ride down, and we think, well, that's the story of the tournament. Then they come back. They each have multi-hit games. One of the kids, um, you know, wins the game in the bottom of the 12th inning. Nope, not so fast, the baseball guys say. We're going to throw one more at you. We're going to make you go 21 innings for that last game uh, in, du- or in, in Dundas on Sunday evening. So, I mean, it was just crazy. And, you know, when things like that happen, the coverage is amazing too, right? I mean, I've read some great articles from Eric Krauser, from Patrick Royce, Kip Kovar, who's done a few things. It's just been kind of a whirlwind. And, and that second weekend, you know, we talked about how the first weekend didn't disappoint. The second weekend, I don't know how we're going to live up to it Labor Day weekend, but you know we are. Really. Well, and that's why I was looking at the bracket thinking, okay, because we had, we've we been pretty lucky in Faribault. I mean, we've had, yeah, we've had a couple of games that were pretty much one-sided, but, but for the most part, every game that's been played at our park has been a really good game. We had, I believe last weekend, if memory serves me correctly, I believe we had four walk-off winners um, at our park over the last weekend. We had a couple the first weekend, too. And you know, I've always mentioned this to one another. 
when you get to this time of the year, whether it's last weekend and especially Labor Day weekend, you're not here by accident. You're here because you are a good team that have good players and most likely you have very good pitching. And that's why all of these games seem to be so evenly matched because once you get to this time of the year, you're here for a reason. For sure. And, you know, just to your point, um, I, I think I had 11 of 16 second round games decided by two runs or less. Wow. Um, I believe nine of them were a run. And that doesn't count a couple games, you know, like let's using Stark and Bemidji as an example. I was going to go there. Yep. Yep. Seven to three, but wasn't a one one going to the ninth. And then it got a little a little bit sideways. So, you know, you've got games like that. We had four games, Chris, that went 11 or more innings you know, the, over the weekend yep. in class C it, it's just, no, it, it's just absolutely, it was such an amazing weekend of baseball. And, you know, we, we saw the best of the best on display and we saw the best of the best living up to it. And, you know, it just kind of kept you on the, kept you on your toes the entire way. It was such a fun weekend. Like you said, you and I were talking a little bit before we went on and there's so many angles you know, that we could go with. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing the stories that, that culminated from one weekend of amateur ball in Minnesota. Right? So I want to, I, as long as you brought it up, let's go there because I was there for the Stark Bemidji game. I believe that was the second game on Saturday. If I, if memory serves me correctly, either Saturday or Sunday, it's all running together at this point. I know they played yep. at our park and I know I watched the game, but what was funny is we had actually faced that Stark pitcher uh, father's day weekend in Stark and he came out and started against Bemidji. You know, Bemidji's routinely uh, a state tournament uh, visitor. They're always usually in the mix when it comes to, uh, you know, they, they usually win their region. They usually are playing on, se- on the second weekend. And I thought, boy, those, those, those boys from Bemidji can hit. And he kept him in check. He kept that lineup in check until it was either the seventh or the, it was late in the game. It was a, it was a one nothing game. And I'll just put it this way. The base runner for Bemidji had been picked off and he was in a rundown, right? And it's mm-hmm. a one-run game. There's two outs. And I will put it this way. I've never seen a base runner reach his arm out and make contact with a defensive player and then have it be called interference. And the <laughs> base runner hung out to dry was then awarded second base. And, of course, what happens next? The Bemidji left-hander ropes one down the right field line to tie the game. So then, of course, you're thinking, well, the baseball gods have to prevail here. And they and they subsequently did where Stark scored six, I believe, in the top of the ninth and then ultimately hung on and won seven to three. But, yes, you're looking at it on paper saying, well, it was a four-run game. It was a one nothing ball game in the eighth inning, and then all of us, you know, all of a sudden it was decided. But that's just what what we were talking about earlier, where one little play could have made a massive difference in a in an, in an elimination state tournament game. Exactly, and it sets up kind of a you know. I'm guessing, Chris, there aren't too many brackets out there because we know groups of people that do these brackets that have Dumont playing Stark. No, no, I, God, I, I no, right? Don't think, I don't think that there are many. Out there now, there there might be some like we always see on ESPN.com, right? Where there, there's always some guy that that somehow made the pick, but you know there aren't many that had that matchup, and and that's a great one to get started Friday night over in Dundas. Um, you know, Dumont has already said they're going to probably be doing some karaoke on the bus. I think I <laughs> saw a note, Chris. They're leaving for Dundas at 1 p.m. Friday. Wow! And they're leaving to make the trek down. Uh, leaving Dumont to make the trek down to, to Dundas for that 7.30 start time. And then Stark's kind of a cool story, too, just because it is out of Region 2. And if you recall, Chris, Region 2 went from three state births 
down to two just this year. Yep. So they lost a state berth. And how about this? Region two, two teams uh, in Labor Day weekend in Stark and New Ulm. It's been a while for that region. So kind of fun uh, story there. But, uh, you know, Dumont hoping that when they leave Friday at 1 o'clock, they're not coming back until late Monday evening. That's the goal for them. And, uh, you know, looking for a little bit of an extended weekend are, are both of those teams. And Dumont, uh, they, they kind of they threw me a curveball as, as serving as the team host for a, a number of the teams that are playing in Faribault. I got a text saying, does Faribault have a runway, question mark? And I thought, huh. I've never seen that question before in a state tournament. And then, of course, we all know what happened, that they had two guys basically flying from the Montana-North Dakota border to our park. And they got there. I ha- I made sure I took the selfie to put on social media to confirm that the two players were in uniform and were in the dugout Sunday afternoon for their 1.30, which ended up being around the 3 p.m. game uh, on Sunday afternoon. But that was just a cool story. And obviously they won. And then I believe we got confirmation that as they left town, they did clear out the Clearwater quick trip of all the remaining bush light for the rest of their trip home um, after that. So it's just a cool story, and that's what makes this tournament yeah, great. I, I heard that as well. And if, if people haven't had a chance, they can go to mmbaseball.org, the state's website. Eric Krauser did a really nice piece yes. and, and talked to him. The two guys were, I believe, Carson Model and Mason Lamp. And, and I think Lamp was the one that won the game. He had three hits on the day with three RBIs. And you can maybe tell the story because you actually had a chance to interview him because he was the player of the game at the end and you know, <laughs> said something, how do you feel right now? And he said, I'm ready for a nap. Yeah, he said, effect, I could right? use some sleep right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then reading Croucher's article, because he caught too, Chris. So he, yeah. he sat in a little four-seater for four hours. And it was funny listening to them tell the story because as they're coming into Faribault, it starts raining pretty hard like they're coming in in the storm yep. and all of a sudden the, the pilot sees that there's a whole bunch of birds on the runway and he's like boy i hope those birds move and, <laughs> and lamp and model said we're like you know it's windy we're going through this storm and we're like kind of sideways at times like for the first time they got a little bit nervous but uh yeah i mean model i think had two hits lamp was three for seven caught 12 innings and then had the game winning hit i i think that uh you know, they were at their buddy's wedding the night before, one of their former teammates, and I think the flight, or they had to get up at like 4.30 in order to catch this plane, and it started as a joke because one of their former teammates who was in the wedding has a brother who has this four-seat plane. And basically the story is that one of the guys made a joke, we should have him come and pick us up and, and fly us down there, and a joke kind of turned into a real conversation and next thing, like 10 hours later, they're on this little four-seat plane. Isn't so, that amazing? Just amazing. I mean, such a the coolest town ball story <laughs> you're ever going to find. But, uh, yeah, so much fun. And then, of course, it was only trumped, uh, trumped by the fact that we had a 21-inning marathon game to cap everything on, on the second weekend in Dundas in which Bird Island edged Loretto 3-2 to two in the longest state tournament game in its 99-year history man alive just amazing you know I, I was i did the final game of the night on sunday in watertown said goodbye to you you were working feverishly yep. at the grandstand so i want people to know he is working folks he is actually <laughs> uh, doing stuff he's not just blowing smoke but you got you and your your teammates and guys were cleaning out the the grandstand and uh you know said goodbye and i said hey i said bird island and uh, loretto right now they're in the 12th 
And I said, you know, Corey Koski already had a home run. We right. said our goodbyes. I hop in the car. I turn on KNUJ radio out of New Ulm, and they're carrying the game. And I've got about an hour and 10-minute drive home. Well, it's 12th inning when I hop in my car. I pull in to my house in Cologne, and it's the bottom of the 18th. And it's like, well, I can't go to bed now, nope, right? Nope, nope. you got to stay up. Yeah, this whole time, you, you don't want one of these poor teams to have to lose this game. At the same time, I've got a job, so I've got to get up the next morning. So I'm tired. These guys have real jobs. I'm really feeling sorry for the Dundas folks because – just to get their field ready Sunday morning yep. was was a chore. I mean, they really, really had to work hard because, um, you know, I think you said when we talked on Sunday, you guys got about two and a half inches of rain overnight. Well, they're only like 10 miles from you. Didn't they get four? They like did. People were saying just under four inches of rain. And when I showed up to their park at 940, I'm like, okay. I knew that we probably weren't starting at 11, but when they were saying noon, I was still like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but they worked their magic. We we did get started about twelve thirty over there, but um, man, so I felt sorry for their workers and just teams had opportunities. Teams just couldn't get a hit. You know, I think Kip Kobar wrote about you know Tyler Hebrink basically came to the plate in that bottom of the twenty first with that runner on third, and he knew that Mike Nagel was going to give the squeeze sign. So he purposely didn't look at Nagel, his manager, <laughs> to get it because he didn't want to take the chance of not being able to get a bunt down and blowing it. And thought he had a better chance, and he just slaps it out, you know, just a little flare out over uh, the infield and in the center field and, and wins the game. But I know the, the story was, I think, Mike Nagel, I think Royce wrote about it. You know, he was still sitting in the park after everyone had left, just sitting there having a – having a cold beverage and just kind of taking it all in and saying, how great is town ball and you know, you know how, how great is this? And he's an eye doctor. He had to see like 80 patients the next day. Right. He got home at like three fifteen. Yeah. And so, I, the, the best crazy. tweet for me anyway, fr- from the weekend was about that very game. And it was from our buddy uh, town ball Tuesdays. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's a hilarious follow and he's just a big town ball nerd, just like me, just like Stender and his tweet. And I don't even know, roughly what inning he had this tweet because he was at that game and he basically said he said the following if today me would have showed up in time in a time machine in 1999 and told 1999 me quote 20 years 23 years from now you'll see Corey Koski hit a home run off Mike Kingery's kid in a town called Dundas to give his own kid a two-to-one lead I'd have called the cops on myself and that's it right there in a nutshell. That's what Tom Baseball is all about right there. Yeah, so great. And, uh, you know, he also gave you a hard time for something else over the weekend, too. Yes, he did. Uh, and, you ha- yeah. and you had a helping hand in this, by the way, so I, thank I, you. Yeah, that, just, for, just for those busies at Carboni's <laughs> on, on Saturday night. But, but um, you know, it was, yeah, you know, Rhino's just great. And he, I've seen him around, you know, You've been in Faribault the entire time. I've been shuffling back. I've made it to all three parks now. And I think I've seen Rhino at all three spots. You know, he, he's just, he's so dedicated. And, you know, what started this Twitter account, them going and checking out ball games on Tuesday, uh, what it's grown into. I mean, he's just such a great promoter oh, yeah. of town ball. And there's guys like that that we just need. And it just, it's almost made things 
it's helped make things more interactive. And, you know, I don't think that town ball has ever had, and I'm not trying to pat any of us on the back or, or, or anyone specific, but, you know, with social media obviously gives us a big advantage, but I don't think that we've had, we've ever had a group of people who are such big champions of town ball, whether it's, you know, various radio guys around the state, Um, you know, guys like you promoting it and playing for, for Faribault, you know, sports writers from the area, guys like Roycey, um, Mike Max, it's just, it's never ending, right? It it just seems like there's so many champions and there's such a great product there and such great stories to tell. It's just fun to see them all being told. Uh, Yeah. It's just been such a great first two weekends. I can't wait for weekend three, although I am hoping I maybe get a nap before we have to play again. So. so before we do talk about the upcoming games, there are two games that I want to highlight because you and I have, you know, we're paying attention to a lot of these. And these two basically, these two games basically got buried because of obviously what took place in Dundas with 21 innings and and some of the other things that took place. But we had back-to-back games on on Saturday, starting with Raymond and Niswa, and then followed by Hutch and Bluffton. Raymond was up five to nothing or five to one, I believe, in the eighth inning. And Niswa looked absolutely lifeless. And Raymond, you're thinking, all right, you know, the Rockets, you know, they've won it. I think they won it what five years ago, something like that. And Raymond yep. looked really poised to make a decent run again. And here came Niswa scoring five, including a walk-off double in the bottom of the ninth inning. And they end up upending the Raymond Rockets uh, at our park to start the day on Saturday. Then it was followed by Hutch and Bluffton. It was 1-1 in the 12th. And the right-hander for Hutch, whose name is escaping right now, hits an opposite field two-run bomb, which I got to tell you, very few right-handers hit home runs to right center field at our bar at our ballpark because it plays so big and Bluffton you're thinking well it was a good effort by Bluffton they then scored three in the bottom of the 12th to walk off Hutch and it was two games where you're thinking you got to be kidding me this is how we're starting the day at our park with the first two games on Saturday it was truly amazing and I thought two of the most underrated games that took place over this last weekend definitely and and here's the other thing Chris think about how close Niswa and Bluffton were to losing both of those teams are good enough to be playing on Monday. No question. So that's, yeah. You know, when we go back to two weeks ago when we started this and, you know, you asked the question about, you know, is Watertown one of your favorites? And I said, well, of course they are, but it, it's just such a thin, narrow line to get to the, to Labor Day. And they did it last year that usually you need some luck or you need some push. And, you know, I was listening to that broadcast, Rick Grammond, who does a great job too, and it's just, he even made a comment one time that it just, you know, Niswa maybe seemed a little lifeless. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they, they kind of got on that momentum swing. And you mentioned the big win at the end. Then I was over in Meesville before they got two and a half inches of rain in about 20 minutes. And um, we were listening to the end of the Hutch game. And I think it was Katzenmeyer hit the home run um, to put him up three to one. And you know, Hutch was a team I had picked to be playing in the final four. I thought, okay, well, looks like Hutch is going to win. And walked away for a while, was over in the press box by Meesville, and I came back, and uh, Tom Lemke and Joe Krieger, two state board members, said, you hear, Hutch just lost. And it was, you know, so you're just stunned. So, yeah. But wasn't that a great precursor to what oh. we were in store for all weekend? No, it no, no question. Amazing. Absolutely no question. And, you know, because for me, 
you know, I'm still focused mainly on the DRS because that's the league that we play in. And then, of course, I spent a bunch of years living in, in Crow River country. So those are teams I'm pretty familiar with. But I'm getting to see some of these teams that I normally would only watch during the state tournament or hear about during the state tournament. And we've got some good ball clubs basically all over the state. And that's what's going to make this upcoming weekend so intriguing. You know, I, I, I know a few of the Jordan uh, Brewer guys, and I'm saying, uh, don't be sleeping on this Bluffton club, uh, boys. They're, they're, they're pretty dang good. And I was really impressed with their pitching. Boy, they've got some arms on that Bluffton squad, man. Yeah, well, it's the Dykoffs, right? You know, the Dykoff family. They they control. They're all they're all big time players. They were, you know, a couple of them high school all state players from up there by Wadena Deer Creek, which wow. is the the nearest public school district to Bluffton. So, uh, I had a chance to talk a little bit with Jason Shlepsky from Jordan on Sunday when we were getting things ready. Uh, in Dundas and and he knows what the Brewers are in for he knows that it's going to be a very very uh, tough game and you know they they were tested early against Ada last weekend and then kind of you know it it was a pretty comfortable win for them but he said he goes you know we're going to have our our hands full and he goes we know we can pitch it we know we defend really well he goes we just have to hope that you know we're going to put ourselves in those situations that we can give ourselves some key hits give ourselves some opportunities to score. And then when we get those opportunities, we've got to take advantage. I think that's going to be the key for the Jordan Brewers. When, when you look at the eight games, you know, on paper, um, that one might be the most intriguing to me because I can see both Jordan and Bluffton winning this whole thing, but somehow they've still got to go through each other. <laughs> yeah. You know, just to, just to even get into the final eight, let alone getting – late into the weekend so and you know you're looking at it from afar and i'm you know just glancing at the bracket right now i mean i could you could make a case as you just mentioned for a lot of these teams that are still playing i mean red wing with aaron johnson who threw an absolute gem against watkins last weekend he's going to be coming back obviously against bird island we mentioned webster playing watertown you know web the webster Sox, which i said they're going to be playing labor day weekend and nobody believed me and i said uh the real deal man and i know watertown is the state run up from a year ago i think that's it's going to be a good lid lifter for us Friday night in Faribault. But some of these other matchups, too, Waconia and Buckman. I mean, I know you saw me on social media confronting the alleged uh, president of the Buckman Billy Goats fan club and the common man, Dan Cole. And I said, you got to come down and throw a first pitch. He said, Reavers, you won't see me alive down there. Not a chance in hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, that's all right. I believe you. But uh, it's all these games are going to be great, man. I can't wait. Well, I, I even texted common. I said, come on down. I said, you know what, you can come and do like two or three innings with me on the radio because I'll be broadcasting that game. Uh, yeah, but not happening, to your point, <laughs> as, as you said. He's not making the track. No, I want to go back, you know, Red Wing, Bird Island. Um, you know, if, if this is – if Bird Island's playing a 21-game – a 21-inning game at the beginning of the weekend, no chance, right? Right. I, I don't think that you – I just don't think you can recover on a weekend where you have to win four to be the state champion. So I, I would – you know, I, I would clearly go Red Wing there. But I, I think that that one, I, I think that's going to be a really, really good game in Faribault to kind of kick things off for you guys on Saturday. And, you know, Watkins is no joke. They were playing late into the tournament last year, and Johnson, he kind of shoved against them last weekend in that one nothing game. You know, big thing for Red Wing. Um, I think Embert Island, too, is both teams are known as good pitching teams. You know, are they going to be able to hit it? That's one of those games, again, Chris, where, if you can figure out a way to manufacture three runs, I think you can get out of that game with a win. And then, you know, Webster-Watertown, 
you and Aaron Worm were right about Webster. I didn't, you know, two and a half weeks ago, I didn't know a damn thing about Webster. I just knew that they had a 50-game losing streak five years ago. It was the first time they ever made a region tournament and first time they ever made a state tournament. That's it. That's all I knew. But mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of the darling uh, along with Dumont. Um, you know, Dumont two years in a row now kind of being the darling. It just seems like they like to steal someone else's thunder. Um, but then I thought what was great for Watertown last week, because, you know, remember, I said so hard to navigate this tournament, and, and you were in Faribault Sunday night for that game. Watertown got punched in the mouth right away in the top of the first inning. Yes, they did. Down 3 nothing. And how in your mind you can start thinking, oh, boy, what's happening? They didn't let that get to them. They, they answered right back with three in the bottom of the first inning and got three more in the sixth. And I don't want to – I mean, if a team can cruise to a 6-4 to four win, I felt like Watertown kind of did because Cold Spring, after that first inning, well, they, they did load the bases in the second. After the second inning, I think they only left two runners on base the rest of the game. They just didn't have – you know, Holt Hunsicker got into a groove. Patrick Cheetah came in to finish off the game um, and, and pitched a couple scoreless innings. So I, I just – you know, I, I do like I like I like Watertown in that matchup, but when you got a guy like Twitey going mm-hmm. and the way he has been going, again, it's a one game scenario. So I think that's a great one for you guys on Friday night to get it. And then that Buckman Waconia game. You know, we, we we've talked about the story surrounding Buckman. You know, we didn't get a chance to see it because it was scheduled at the same time as the Watertown game. We were supposed to broadcast both games you know, back-to-back on that Sunday, on Sunday. So, like you said, you got home just before midnight. Imagine if the state board hadn't kind of had the idea of let's look for another place to play those games. Oh, my God. I couldn't even (laughs) imagine. Yeah, I mean, that game wouldn't have been starting until 9 or 10 o'clock. So, but, uh, you know, Waconia, it sounds like A.J. Frederick, their first baseman who was part of that 2017 Waconia High School State Championship team that went undefeated the whole year just made some unbelievable picks and some unbelievable digs over at first base that basically saved the game uh, for the Lakers. I think late in that game, in the bottom of the ninth, Fergus had runners at second and third. There was a little slow roller off the mound to the right of the pitcher. He went over and threw it to first, and A.J. just made an unbelievable dig out to end the game that if that gets by him, that runner on second is already rounding third, and Fergus is going to win the game. 10 to 9. Wow. That's it's over. It, so, and that's that margin you're talking about, that razor-thin exactly. margin that you're talking about. Because you, you mentioned the number of one-run games, and there's been so many others that have been taking place at the other parks that, unfortunately, I've only been able to read the box scores and see and see, and see the, the brackets. I haven't been able to watch them in person. And there's teams playing out at our park, like you know, Delano and Isanti. I'll admit, I mean, I know Delano is a perennial uh, a peer in the state tournament. I don't really know anything about their club, and I don't know anything about the Isani Redbirds, um, and I'm looking forward to that matchup as well. Yeah, Isani can pitch it. Um, you know, they, I, I know that when I talk to some people prior to the game, you know, I always maybe pick out a few fans that I think if I'm doing a game to try and get some info, and they said, well, you know, we've been pitching it really, really good the last few the last few months, but you know, our lineup sometimes we're just not scoring a lot of runs or we, we just, we don't necessarily have the kind of offense that's going to explode. Um, so they're going to need really, really good pitching. I'm guessing they're going to go with that left-hander TJ wink. He's the one that started the game against the Broughton Bruins. 
Delano does have a few lefties in their lineup, so maybe that makes uh, a little sense, including, you know, former All Big Ten player Toby Hansen uh, for the Delano A's. So I, I think that that will probably be how I Sandy goes. I think for Delano, you know, nobody's talking about Delano. I mean, they just had a really ho hum win the other day and the reason no one's talking about them is because no one's seen them yet because they their game got shifted off to Waconia right that's true that's so, true yeah you know you haven't really seen them but it's the first time I saw on their Twitter feed the other day I think their first state tournament win since like 2014 or 2015 wow well as good as Delano's been I mean are you shocked to hear me say that because I know I was shocked when I saw that tweet I couldn't believe it's been that long so I think um Delano what I like and what I think really sets up to be a to be a heavyweight is if Delano can get that win, and then for some reason the team we haven't made one mention of yet <laughs> since we started this is the St. Patrick Irish, who I don't know that I've talked to anyone who doesn't think that they're one of the two or three heavy favorites to win this whole thing. Can you imagine, you know, Sunday at 1.30 and done this if St. Patrick and Delano are playing to go to the state semifinals. I mean, that's heavyweight fight written all over it. Well, so, not and not to mention, I mean, you know, they're, the, if you just looked at the score, they, they were the first game at our park on Friday night, and if you just looked at the score, a 5-1 to one win versus one of the teams that's probably favored to win the entire thing in the St. Patrick Irish, you think, oh, okay, well, I got to tell you, I got to give props to uh, the, the lefty from Urbank, and I know you remember his name, and I can't because I spent some time talking to him in the dugout. That kid, yeah, right? that kid yep. battled his ass off on Friday night and kept the Urbank Bombers in that game, and I was so impressed with and I know I'm, I'm a little biased because St. Patrick's got two of our guys as draftees on their team but I was so impressed with just the professionalism that he showed on the mound man that that kid had guts that was a pretty dang good performance by him to keep them in that game hey it was a great state tournament for them right they beat a perennial state power in the Sartell Muskies yep and you know did everything they could to hang in with you know, one of the consensus picks to win the whole thing. So I, I, I think that Alex Kep was that his name? I, I believe the left hand. I, I believe. I think you're 12. right. Kep, Kep is the last yep. name. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yep. Sorry I for not remembering. 12. Yeah, twelve or thirteen strikeouts. You know, that first game against Sartell, and you know he kept his team in the game the other night. But again, it's you know we we talk about those opportunities, and you could kind of see that from watching that game on Friday night that. You know, every every inning you could put up a zero against St. Patrick was a win, but they just that offense is just constantly putting pressure. Mm-hmm. As a as a DRS team, you know all about that, right? When you play them, they, it's just like they're putting constant pressure on you. That at some point, something's going to break through, and and that eventually was just what happened to them. But yeah, I'm just amazed. I mean, you know, no one, you know, St. Patrick had that first round bye. Maybe it was because they played a Friday night game. And so much crazy stuff happened right. after that Friday. They kind of got forgotten. Yeah, right. It kind of gets forgotten when you're the favorite. But, um, you know, they're still the team, you know, that I picked to win the whole thing. I, 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 I'm I, not going to change at this point. But I look at that top half of the bracket, and I think that could go a whole bunch of different ways, even that bottom half. I mean, some of the intriguing storylines that we could potentially have for this weekend 
Uh, just sets up to be so much fun again in, in Faribault, Dundas, and Meesville. Uh, Alex Kep, by the way, is his name for the Urbank Bombers. Perfect. I looked it up. Alex Kep, because I didn't want to shortchange him, because like I said, I spent a couple of minutes uh, talking to him after the game uh, on Friday night. And it's one of those moments, too, where you realize your season's over, and you're just kind of looking at the ballpark, and you're saying, I can't believe the run is done. And you're thinking, yeah, kid, at least you got here. We didn't even play in our own bleeping tournament this year. <laughs> yep. All was, right. So go ahead. I'm sorry. How many players, how many players have went through that? Oh God. Weekends, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Think about the, think about the emotions probably in that Loretto bird Island game the other night when that ended, there was a picture of Corey Kosky just kind of sitting there. You know, there's a former major leaguer. Yep. Just almost in disbelief. And, and, and just looking out onto the field. I mean, there's a guy that's played at the highest of high levels mm-hmm. and playing town ball in Minnesota at 49 years old. And it looked like, you know, someone kicked his cat, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I mean, it was just, he, he did not, and, and, and that's the feeling that all of these people get. And it's what makes town ball so great. I mean, we, we live on it. Communities live on it. Um, it's just so much fun, and you know, to see that real life passion come through in those in those moments. Some good, some bad. It's pretty amazing to see. So, I did already get a text message from the Johnson crew. Speaking of Watertown, and they do have a fifty-five passenger bus heading to our ballpark Friday afternoon. As it stands right now, sir, are you? Did you pick St. Patrick over Watertown in the championship game? Is that what you picked initially, or or am I missing? That was. I believe that was what I had in the championship game. I can't remember. I had so you know I'm a Region Seven guy, so of I, I can be yeah. a little bit of a homer. I had, I know I had Watertown and Waconia playing each other. Okay, out of Region Seven, so I'd have to go back and look. And I do want to give a plug to a couple regions. One Region Seven, so they've got two teams in the final sixteen. Reavers, it's the eleventh year of this format, and Region Seven has had at least two teams make Labor Day weekend every single year. Wow, that's They're impressive. The only re- yeah, the only region to do that. Um, I want to give a plug to Region 8 because, you know, we, we talked a little bit um, earlier about Buckman, obviously, but, uh, you know, they're having a pretty good tournament too. Nisswa, their region champ still in. Avon's playing St. Patrick, who, you know, they're going to probably be a little bit of an underdog in that one, but uh, that should be an, an outstanding game. So Region 8 having another great time, and we mentioned Region 2. Uh, only two bids this year in the state tournament. They're both still playing, so makes it kind of fun. Yep, absolutely. So before we let you go, we, we do need to touch on a little bit of Class B. Again, we've had zero Class B games at our ballpark, so I've just been watching whether I've been uh, listening to the games on teams' uh, website or, excuse me, radio stations' websites or NSPN, streaming the games online. Um, I haven't been able to watch much, but I do know, obviously, we talked about this last week, that my Chaness and Redbirds are falling, so we are going to have a new state champion this year. Just looking at it on paper, and we played the Rochester Royals last year, and they're a really good squad. So is this Mies- is this down to Meesville, Rochester, or is this pretty much anyone's game of the four, or anyone's tournament of the four teams that are left? I think Meesville is the slight favorite, but I think it's wide open. I, I think there's an avenue here. Um, for all four teams. Now, what maybe isn't being talked about, and again, it's just different nuances, and I don't know enough individually about these teams, but they were supposed to play their semifinal games last Sunday. So those have been pushed because of the rain, have been pushed to Friday night. So it's an extra game. Oh, wow. You know, potentially on that schedule. So how deep are those staff? I don't know. But 
it means that not only already was, you know, because we're in double elimination now. So you're in the final four. So not only this final four game now becomes absolutely huge. Because if you lose this game, all of a sudden, you've got to figure out a way to come back and win four more. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know that whoever it is, whether it's Meesville, Blaine, Champlin, or Rochester, not sure they're going to have enough to, you know, to be able to bring it back like that. Um, You know, the Champlin-Rochester game looks to be um, a, a really nice semifinal matchup. And I say that because I had never seen um, Champlin play. I got to see the end of the Rochester game the other day. Obviously, that Meyer, who's, you know, he's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, just a big, tall drink of water. Very imposing. Up. Yeah, very imposing. Yeah, very, very imposing. But, you know, I'm guessing it's going to be Sam Rioli, Riola, excuse me, from Champlin. And he might be the best player in the tournament. You know, he's a pitcher. He's their leadoff hitter. I mean, he was raking the other night. So you're going to have Meyer against Riola, uh, you know, to kick it off. Both of those guys were all tournament selections last year in the state tournament. So they're household names in Class B. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be a big one. But, again, it's, you lose that game, and, boy, your path just becomes really, really tough. Right. And, um, I, I, I think Meesville is probably set up for a weekend like this best. Um, I think that of the four teams, they might be the team capable, if they would fall to Blaine, if they would fall to Blaine, that maybe they could make a run and get all the way back through there. Um, but I don't know that any of the other teams will be able to. I, I did have a chance to talk to Matt Merrick a little bit um, following their rainout on Saturday night. Um, you know, and you know they're excited. And and at the time, I think they were beating Moorhead eight to one when that game was suspended. Moorhead actually crawled their way back in it. But you know they're excited, and and, and they really thought that if they could get through that that Moorhead game, which obviously they did, that it was setting up pretty nice for them. They they like you know they, they obviously they love Sam Riola and being able to come and kind of throw him out there and have him pitch uh, their first game this weekend. Um, you know, and that's the big, other big thing, right? Put yourself in that winner's bracket. Keep keep yourself yep. up top there, yep. and, and you give yourself a chance. I, I think that – I still think Meesville's the favorite, but I think it's wide open, and I think there's a path there for either of those four te- – any of those four teams to win the whole thing in B. And we haven't been able to say that, Chris, for a number of years yeah. because – We've always felt it was Chan and everyone else. Right, and I don't, you know, Meesville with the two 10-run victories to, to get them to this point. And I guess the only thing I can say from a Class B standpoint is I'll be rooting for whoever is in the loser's bracket for that Sunday night game in Dundas at 7.30 because, damn it, I want both those championships at my park in Faribault on Labor Day, which would happen, I believe I was told, for the first time ever in the state tournament history. Yep, that would be the first time ever. And, you know, it, it goes back to uh, – you know, I know a guy you know well too, but Fred Roofs, um, you know, state board member who who passed away about a year and a half ago. And I, I had Joe Krieger, state board member, on to do a, a sports and news segment on our station, and and he always said a line that that I thought really summed up Fred Roofs great. You know, a lot of people when you get to an, the end of the tournament like that, especially in the B, he always wanted the team with a loss to win the first game because he always said, I'm just not ready to go home yet. I yep. don't want the baseball season to end. Perfectly and stated. I, I, yep. I, yep. I, I think it's fitting. And so I always, when you say, when you brought that up, 
right away I, I thought back to, to Fred Roof's, uh, you know, former state board member because that was kind of his his thinking. So, man, I, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll be down there right away Friday. We get to see for that Webster Watertown. It's going to be packed there, Reavers. You guys better be ready for a big crowd. I think we're going to have some fun to start the weekend. It'll be a festive atmosphere for sure on Friday night. In fact, we might be so packed, I might have to sit between you and my next guest, Aaron Worm, in between the radio (laughs) seats because there might not be anywhere else to sit on Friday night. Uh, But before I let you go, if you don't follow Jeremy on Twitter, please do so, just like I do. If you're a town baseball nerd, you probably already do, but just in the event that you might be casually looking at what's happening in the world of town baseball for the last weekend of the season, uh, please follow him on Twitter and if people want to check you you guys out I know you're streaming a lot of the games this weekend how can people do so Jeremy yep we'll be having uh, anything with Watertown and Waconia AM 1310 FM 96.1 or the free KGLB app just go into your app store search KGLB and uh, you'll be able to download that for free and you can listen to us anywhere in the world awesome you are the absolute best my man uh i will see you in just a couple of days rest up because both of us are going to need it this weekend i will do that say hi to worm and you know you can just tell him that i challenge him to an arm wrestling fight before that watertown webster game we can kick off the festivities in Faribault with that friday night <laughs> sounds like a plan talk to you brother <laughs> see you All soon right. thanks for having me man transitioning from one fellow town baseball nerd to another just like yours truly Chris Reavers here Uh, let's go over to Aaron Worm with KCHK Radio Aaron first of all we talked about this Stender and I did previously and I did I was not aware of it you called the game in Dundas all 21 innings on Sunday night when did you finally wake up was it yesterday the day before When, when did you finally get up you know, I'm still tired, Chris, to be honest with you. You know, this is a broadcaster. I mean, my voice is still hashed. Oh, what man. Is it? You know, it's a handful of days after the actual event. Yeah, no, they, they asked me that morning for the streaming service that's covering the Tomball tournament. Hey, can you do the, the last game? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do one game for you, which turned into, you know, two-plus games and five hours and 36 minutes of baseball, 48 total strikeouts in the game. Wow. I think 600-plus pitches by the time it was done. I was really tired, but I can say that I was part of history, longest game in, in amateur baseball in the 99-year history of the tournament. And as a broadcaster, I, I got a kick out of it. I got to call a, a Corey Koski home run. So it was a pretty good night at the ballpark. Yeah, I, I got to say, I, 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 can't, uh, I can't disagree with you. And I was actually following you along on Twitter uh, throughout the course of the evening because I didn't even leave the Faribault ballpark until uh, close to 11 o'clock. Uh, picking up garbage, getting things ready, and getting things cleaned up for the next weekend, for the upcoming weekend on Labor Day. And then all of a sudden I saw 17 innings on your – I go, you've got to be kidding me. They're still playing over there? And then at that point, just like you said, you are rooting for history at that point. It's like, well, we're already here. Let's just do this for a couple more innings and let's make history, right? Well, it was my mistake because I think in about the 13th inning – I went to the history book. Okay. I asked for help. Somebody tweeted out that it happened three times that someone hit 20 innings. Okay. And I at the 13th inning, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way we're going to hit 21 <laughs> innings and break, break the record. Loretto, they got no hit in the second half of the game. They went like nine or ten innings without getting a hit. So there was kind of a no-hitter in that marathon <laughs> game. But 
Yeah, I thought there was no way they were going to break a record. I'm glad we didn't tie. At that point, once we tied with the 20th inning, heck, you might as well just go for 21, and, and that's what happened. Right, exactly. And um, because I, I'm also just glad that it took place in Dundas and not in Faribault so that I could get home at a reasonable, decent time. But but hats off to all the folks in Dundas, and I know a lot of the volunteers that we've had in Faribault as well, because tournament games like that don't go off without a hitch unless you've got fantastic support and fantastic volunteers. Oh, there were so many volunteers. They were still serving food. And, and Chris, I did see on Twitter that one of the volunteers asked uh, the, the cop that was there or around in Dundas, hey, can we just keep serving beer? And I guess the cop said, I don't care. Right. <laughs> just keep, on. So just they never keep going. So down the, the beer tent that night. All right, so let's transition to this upcoming weekend and maybe some thoughts that you had over the course of the last weekend. But, man, we have a big one Friday night to kick off the weekend in Faribault. You'll be there broadcasting as the Webster Sox take on the Watertown Red Devils. And I have to give you credit, and I know I did this before, too. You were on the Webster Sox way back, I believe it was either in April or May, as being a legitimate threat to the state tournament. After I saw them a couple of times towards the end of the regular season, then we ultimately lost to them in region play for them to get the state bid and us getting shut out of the state bid, I said the Webster Sox will be playing Labor Day weekend, and nobody that didn't know much about them didn't believe me, and yet here they are. Yeah, it's going to be a great game on Friday. I cannot be there. My, my full-time duties at a Kate Radio down in Albert Lee. Oh, we, we no! Had football. Oh, oh, yeah, I sure. won't be there. I'm going to have my Webster Sox state shirt on. I'm okay. going to have it underneath my, my jacket coming up on Friday night, but yeah, Peter Twighty, he is the man right now. I mean, he pitched so well against a, a good Monticello team. They brought in a reliever after they were up 6-1, to one and it got to a 6-5 to five with the tying run on second and a long fly ball to center field end of the game. So the Cinderella sucks, but they continue. And, again, Peter Twy is going to be the guy that's going to go on the mound on Friday night. And I'm wishing them the best. I'm hoping for the best. I had them winning two games and actually losing to a Watertown. That's their opponent coming up on Friday because Watertown is last year's state runners-up and mm-hmm. they got some unfinished business. It's going to be a really tough game for Webster. But, I mean, right now, any win is just icing on the cake. It's just gravy at this point. And, again, I'm glad I'm not a team that is playing against Webster on Friday. Uh, now, you'll have to remind me, I think I know the answer to this question, but uh, of the teams of the, of the Sweet 16 that's still remaining for that, uh, in, in this single elimination format, by the way, if some people are unfamiliar with how the Class C tournament works, you lose a game, your season's over with. So in this single elimination format with 16 teams remaining, is your favorite uh, that you picked at the beginning still alive? And if not, who do you like to, to come through it all on Labor Day? Well, I had St. Patrick from the beginning, and I'm still going with St. Patrick. Uh, they had a win against uh, Urbank on Friday night. That game was was at your ballpark there in Faribault, and they just have they have so much they have so much pitching. Uh, they have this uh, Colin Dank who uh, who pitched who started the other night. Uh, Davinsky is the last name of a guy who used to play at Minnesota State in Mankato. Dank used to uh, or still does pitch in Mankato, and they they also have Luke Tupi, who's a great lefty from. St. Cloud State and a graduate of New Prague High School. There's so much pitching. They get Avon, but again, the Irish a couple of years ago, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, they kind of came up short because they, they, they lack pitching at the end, and that's what happens to a lot of teams once you get to the championship game on Labor Day. That's, that's not going to happen this year for St. Patrick. They're going to go to B next year unless the board, the Minnesota Baseball Association, adds a, another class in between B and C. 
So they know this is their, their final run for at least a few years in Class C. And again, they're still my pick. They're my pick from the beginning, and nothing last weekend is making me waver one second. It's St. Patrick's. You know, and I, I kind of thought the same thing because one of the things that uh, is, is really, I think, not put into context here, but there's that sense of urgency that they've had kind of on their shoulders, knowing that once they made the tournament that the, the likelihood of them moving up in class was going to be there. And I think that sense of urgency is what's going to help kind of motivate them and it's it's not easy, you know. You you have to have a little bit of luck on your side, as Jeremy mentioned earlier too. When you have to win four games in one weekend to be ultimately crowned a state champion, there's just a little play here, one mishap there, uh, a missed call here, or something happening there. That's what ultimately decides games like this in the single elimination format. And they've got uh, they've got a road ahead of them. And a lot of these teams, I, you could make a case right now for the 16 teams remaining. I could honestly see half of these teams winning, you know, winning the winning the championship on Monday. Well, I mean, you made a great point there, Chris, because, I mean, you made reference to the 21-inning game. That could have been won by, by both teams many, many times. I mean, Loretto comes up on the short end, but they had chances in extra innings, just needed a, a big base hit to score a guy that was uh, on second, or, or they might have had a guy on third at one point, too. Yeah, there takes luck. There, there's definitely a lot of luck, and any team that's ever won the estate tournament in especially Class C baseball under this format is going to tell you, it's not easy, and it does take some luck. It takes some bounces, and again, all these teams are talented. If they if they weren't talented, they wouldn't be in the final 16. Bird Island, they were part of that, that mammoth game, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the draftees that they had in their game. I think, guy, I can't remember the team, but it's a Kingery. Who Josh Kingery. Used to, yeah. Okay, yeah, they used to play a professional baseball. I mean, he is the real deal as a draftee for Bird Island. I know... Uh, Dumont's riding high. I saw your selfie with the guys from Dumont because a couple <laughs> of guys had a fly-in for that game coming up uh, last weekend. Uh, Delano, of course, is a favorite. It's been a favorite by everybody. And Bluffton is a team that I think is kind of low on the radar because, again, they're not in our immediate area when it comes to town ball. But Bluffton had a, a huge win, a, a comeback walk-off win against Hutchinson. And Hutchinson was picked by many to be a team that could go on a, a run through Labor Day weekend, Bluffton to me, if I had to pick maybe a sleeper team that maybe we should be talking a lot about, I would I would go at Bluffton. Wow, yeah, and I I can't disagree with you. I talked about this a little bit with Jeremy earlier, but that was those were two of the more underrated games that took place when Niswa came back after being down five to one and beat Raymond uh, on a walk off bob in the ninth double to score two with two outs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that that was the uh, the Saturday morning 11 a.m. game at our ballpark, and then of course Bluffton down three to one after a two run homer in the top of the twelfth inning came back and scored three to down Hutchinson, and now Bluffton's got the Jordan Brewers, who a lot of people picked to, uh, to 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 win it all this year, but I got to tell you too, Aaron, one of the teams that I don't think anybody is talking about are the New Ulm Brewers, and they ten run El Rosa, and I watched El Rosa handle your Montgomery Mallards pretty good because I thought, boy, these guys got some pitching and they had enough timely hitting, and New Ulm ten run those guys Saturday uh, Saturday morning, if I'm not mistaken, in Dundas, and now New Ulm has the Nisswa Lightning at our place four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And I could see New Ulm making a heck of a run this weekend as well. Well, here's the thing with New Ulm, and, and I had that game on the radio uh, on Saturday, and uh, or not on the radio, actually on the streaming service. They can hit the ball. I want to say as a team, they're betting 360-plus. Wow. 30-plus uh, home runs as a team, 350-plus RBIs on the season. I mean, their numbers are absolutely crazy. 
Now their their pitcher, uh, his last name I think is French. Um, he, he's not the hardest thrower, but but he hits his spot spots. But I don't think it's going to be pitching, and that's not taking anything away from New Ulm. They can hit the ball again when you're batting three fifty plus as a team, and and, and uh, El Rosa, that pitcher for El Rosa. This last weekend, he actually was a draftee in last year's state tournament, and he got beat by New Alm 2-1. to one. So he held New Alm to just a couple of runs last year in the state tournament. A little bit different story. That New Alm Brewers team, I'm glad you brought them up because, again, they might be flying way under the radar. They can hit the ball with, with the best of them that's left in the state tournament. Yeah, no question about it. So as it stands, are you, you're still sticking with your Irish to win it all come, come Labor Day? I'm still sticking with the Irish, but I do have to bring this up, going back to a Webster real quick there, Chris. Please. You know Johnny Houston. Of course. I like Mudcats, right? Yep. You know Johnny. Johnny tweeted that the Ranchero in Webster should give <laughs> Peter Twitty the keys to the Ranchero. <laughs> because Peter Twitty is a name here. He's a Lakeville North graduate. <laughs> He's kind of the, the name of the tournament. Peter Twitty. You're going to look it up. Uh, don't tell me how to spell it. But going back to St. Patrick. Matt Ambrose, uh, he had a big kid in their victory, and are not mad at. Take it back. That's the brother Seth. Seth, had a big yep, kid yep. In that victory, and I had someone tell me on Friday night, you know what? He was my favorite player at the University of Minnesota as a hockey player. <laughs> Seth Ambrose, if you remember that name, he's the veteran leader along with his brother Matt. Seth plays first. Matt plays uh, catcher. catcher. Yep. And again, for those guys, I hope they win the whole thing, especially for those two veterans. They have. Spent so much time with St. Patrick. They are kind of the the backbone of that team. I have heard some thoughts that maybe Matt Ambrose might be playing his last season. He is one of the best guys to talk to in amateur baseball. And, you know, besides all the talent, there's just so many good guys on that team. And, yeah, that's why I'm sticking with St. Patrick. I think I have to. I uh, think I have to agree with you as well because, of course, we're we're both rooting for the DRS ultimately in this game, and of course, with St. Patrick having two of our Fairwell Laker guys, you know damn well we're going to be pulling for them come this weekend. But of course, being a tournament host and being a talk show uh, podcast host, I'm supposed to show no bias, but to hell with it. I'm I'm rooting for the DRS teams this weekend. That's for sure. Aaron, great job this weekend. I know I'm going to run into you a bunch uh, throughout the course of Labor Day weekend, and uh, go catch up on some sleep because you've got some calls ahead of you here, young man. Hey, sounds good, Chris. Thank you. You bet. Talk to you soon, Aaron. Okay, bye-bye. Just another one of my favorite town ball guys that makes being a part of amateur baseball here in the state of Minnesota so dang much fun. And I hope that you've enjoyed a lot of these town ball podcasts that I've been throwing out there because, of course, I'm not allowed to tell any town ball stories as it relates to garage logic. So if you've had a lot of fun with these, I have too. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And if you are able to make it, any one of the three sites this weekend, you can find all the information at minnesotabaseballassociation.org's website. Just find it online. It's got all of the brackets there for both classes. C and Class B. The weather is supposed to be absolutely spectacular. Please do yourself a favor and make it to one of these great games because, as we mentioned earlier, your team's not playing on Labor Day weekend unless you're any good. So make it to one of the parks over the next uh, next couple of days in the, in Labor Day weekend, and I know that you will not be disappointed. To my guests, Jeremy Stender and Aaron Worm, my name is Chris Reavers. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Town Ball Podcast Weekly Scramble Version, and we'll do a wrap-up next week as we crown both a Class B and a Class C state champion.